Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. I'm here to kick things off. Please welcome Jen Billick. Noel, thank you for that fabulous introduction. I'm Jen Billick. I'm the owner and founder of Knock Knock, and we make funny gift and stationery products, and we publish books. Mm-hmm. Which I'm told you can buy here. And also really brings us to tonight's occasion. We are so proud and delighted to introduce David Vienna's first book, Calm the Fuck Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only parenting technique you'll never need. I mean, did I say never? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I've had a couple of glasses of Chardonnay. Um, So uh, I am actually going to say fuck because it's hard enough to pronounce asterisk without pronouncing the asterisk in the fuck, and I say fuck a lot anyway. So David Vienna, um, he is a parent, specifically a father, He is a blogger, specifically of the daddy complex, and he had a blog post that went viral, specifically calm the fuck down method. And so what is a wise man to do when he has a blog post that goes viral? Write a book. And when we saw the book proposal, we knew we absolutely had to publish it. We loved it. And then the book itself came out like 20, 21 million times better and more amazing than we thought it could be, and um, which was in part due to David and in part due to our amazing team, many of, of you whom are here this evening. Um, and it's so amazing because it's both funny and really wise. It's got a ton of really usable parenting information, um, which especially in this anxiety-ridden gourmet parenting age is so helpful because really we all need to come the fuck down. So I am very happy to introduce for you this evening, David, I think he may be from Vienna, (laughs) Vienna, and I urge you at the end to take advantage of the Q&A. David recently did a Reddit AMA, which I think stands for um, Ask Me Anything, and he's really fucking funny on the fly. So David Vienna. Thank you, thank you. Um, while, while I agree that we should all put our phones on silent, if you enjoy what you hear tonight, I encourage you to tweet and tag everybody. And if you don't enjoy it, please refrain from tweeting. <laughs> so uh, I asked the Knock Knock staff for their favorite ones, uh, favorite scenarios. This book is full of different scenarios. So uh, we're going to jump in, you know, maybe get a taste of what this is about. One of the ones that got the most votes uh, is called My Baby Ate Something Off the Floor. You're in the kitchen, slicing zucchini, proud that you've organized your life enough to actually cook a real dinner for once. Your baby coos as she explores the linoleum tiles. This image of a happy home and a happy baby grew in you from the moment you first talked about expanding your family. You turn to share a glance with your child to capture the feeling like a mental movie. She won't remember it when she's older, but you know somehow it will affect her positively as she grows. And when you turn, you see her shovel a clump of dog hair into her mouth. (laughs) 
If you have your wits about you, which you won't, you drop the knife before you run to scoop her up, jam your fingers in her mouth, and scrape out the tuft of Rex's gray fur. (laughs) Worse, Rex's fur is white. The clump of hair turned gray thanks to all the dirt and crumbs and, yes, dust mites hiding in the corners and crannies. Oh, that mental movie just got a lot more like a Japanese horror film. As your baby cries and you scrape her tongue with your fingers, you cycle through all of the terrible illnesses she could possibly get from ingesting dirty canine hair. Cold, flu, sore throat, heartworm, E. coli, rabies. And you wonder who might judge you if you completely shave your dog. CTFD. And for those who don't know, that stands for... You guys have done your research. This is good. All right. Not only is dog hair not toxic, it's edible. But only in the way cardboard is also edible. Of course, that's just in the biological sense. You shouldn't actually serve up Australian shepherd fur casserole at a party. Monitor your baby for signs of illness such as nausea or fever, but most likely she'll be more traumatized by your reaction than her hairy appetizer. Not only that, exposure to dirt, fur, and other stuff could actually help reduce the risk of allergies and asthma. So your baby might as well get that stuff from Olrex. On a related note, One of my earliest memories involves me shouldering our old English sheepdog out of the way to eat her food from her bowl. (laughs) Aside from a predilection for chasing the uh, tennis ball and barking at the mailman, I turned out fine. (laughs) Who here has eaten dog food? I want to show of hands. Okay, got a few. What'd you think? Ah, Biscuits count. Biscuits, yeah, biscuits count. Biscuits, okay, okay, biscuits count. I'd like to point out that one of the people who raised her hand was one of the people who, the therapist who helped me make sure I wasn't lying in this book. She has eaten a dog biscuit. Just want to point that out. I'm uh, partial to Chuck Wagon myself. That's the one that makes its own gravy, right? All right. Yeah, you pour water on it and it makes its own gravy. That wasn't like a, that wasn't like a gross thing. They say that in the ad. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Maybe I just dated myself. I don't even have a chuck wagon still around. All right, this one's called No Punishment Seems to Work on My Child. When it comes to punishing bad behavior, no options remain. You've tried timeouts. You've tried removing privileges. You've even tried getting rid of certain beloved toys, but nothing gets through to your child. You swore you'd never spank, but you're starting to realize this standoff might come down to a swat on the tuchus, perhaps with a rowing oar. What else could you possibly do? Punishment, after all, teaches children right from wrong and how to be good people. You won't, if you don't address this complete disregard for common decency, soon the kid will take over. Oh, you'll have order in your house, a primitive order run by your untamed offspring. You won't need an excuse to get out of that playdate you weren't so excited about, not when you're tied to the fridge with knitting yarn as your feral child dances around you jabbing his makeshift Nerf spear skyward. <laughs> You use the Le Crusade wine opener to cut yourself free and make a mad dash for the door. As you flee, you find a pig's head on a spike in the hallway and a broken conch shell in the living room. Behind you, you hear them coming. They want to hunt you down. This savagery won't end until the whole place erupts in flames and you're not certain your homeowner's insurance covers child uprising. CTFD. Children test boundaries. Stick with it. Be patient. Eventually, he'll figure out the full meaning of the punishments you dole out, especially when he realizes that Thomas train you put on the top shelf of the storage closet really won't be back for a week. 
And don't forget the power of positive reinforcement. Showing how much you appreciate good behavior often works better than punishing when he misbehaves. I don't mean you need to buy him a new bike just for putting his shoes on when you ask him to. Keep it simple. When things are going smoothly and he's accommodating, thank him. Maybe throw him a high five if you're the type of family that high fives. For the record, we are not always a high-fiving family, nor do we fist bump, but we do toss up the rock and roll fork fingers gesture often. This is, of course, much to the chagrin of my parents. All right. My wife likes this one. I'm embarrassed by my kids' behavior. Everyone in your family looks forward to Friday night. That's the night when you take your spouse and son to a favorite restaurant and enjoy a modest meal out in the real world. You sit down at the table and the server approaches to take your order. You've coached your son all week on how to politely order his own food. This is the big moment. He looks at the server and shouts, Penis! 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 It doesn't stop there. When he's not boisterously screaming the names of his private parts, he attempts to climb on the table, throws his crayons, and sings a perpetual loop of jingle bells, though Christmas is seven months away. (laughs) And this display is only the latest in a series of embarrassing moments. His manners have gone the way of his crayons. Other patrons turn and stare. You hiss at him to stop, but that just encourages him to ramp up the body part cheer, laughing the whole time. As far as he's concerned, he's a comedy genius on par with Shecky Green. No amount of warnings, calming words, or threats has any effect. You smile sheepishly at the server as she rushes to fill your order, just so your son will have a grilled cheese to work on rather than his impromptu biology lesson. You'd rather just avoid this embarrassment altogether, so when the server returns with your drinks, you ask if the restaurant delivers. CTFD. There is no cure for embarrassment, and your son knows nothing of it. You could yank your son's pants down in public, and he'd just run around half naked. Our kids sometimes yank their own pants down just to do, to do just that, though not in public. Wait, does a family gathering count as public? <laughs> it might help to know everyone experiences this kind of thing, but really, you just need to sever embarrassment from your mind. It does no good, and it won't stop until your son goes to college, at which point he'll just be embarrassing himself. I do not recommend joining in your son's activities to overcome embarrassment, however. A kid yelling penis in a restaurant is very different from an adult doing it. I know this from experience. Uh, seriously, I, wanna, I want answers. What's the most embarrassing thing your kid has ever done in public? Anyone shout it out? That? that? Anyone got one? We all got it. What do you got? My, my son, we were at the farmer's market, he said, Daddy, everyone's looking at you because you farted. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, anyone else? That's uh, what do you got? Uh, my son whipped out and tried to uh, use it as a uh, uh, what is the thing the the javelin uh-huh. like jousting <laughs> at the stranger. Nice, uh, nice. Well, that's a good way to meet somebody, I guess. Yeah, starting out with high self-esteem. That's how I met my first wife. <laughs> All right. Um, this was another favorite of the Knock Knock staff. And I'm uh, just going to, I'm not going to, here's the title. My baby's poop shoots out. (laughs) You've heard the horror stories about changing diapers, but once you once had a dog with a twitchy stomach, so you feel you're prepared to handle a diaper blowout or two. (laughs) To get ahead of any possible fecal chaos, you change your baby's diaper at the first sign of discomfort, hoping to avoid an overwhelming mess. Then it happens. 
happens. During a changing, a jet of greenish muck shoots out and it keeps coming and coming and coming. It won't stop. Now your changing table and part of the wall bear a scatological Jackson Pollock painting and you, and you feebly try to comprehend how that much fluid came out of your son. And what's with the color? That shade of green wouldn't look at home in a nature preserve, let alone dripping onto the bright tones of the rug in your nursery. There's no way this is normal. It can only mean one thing. Your boy somehow contracted a rare disease that liquefies baby innards and mentally cripples parents. (laughs) CTFD. Congratulations! You just earned a parenting merit badge. Sew it on your sash and wear it proudly because everyone who's ever changed a diaper has experienced the poo fountain. (laughs) A newborn's fecal matter, which ranges in colors from docker slacks to pride parade, is nearly always fluid. That's because your baby's biology changes a lot in the first few months. For, the, for their first bowel movements, they literally evacuate cells and other stuff they got while inside the birth mother. Later, everything from what's in the breast milk to what type of formula you might supplement with affects the poop's consistency, color, frequency, and trajectory. And yes, sometimes there's a soul-crippling amount of it. Other parents feel your pain, but you're on your own for the cleanup. All right, before I do the next one, I want to do a selfie with you guys. One sec. Yeah. Let's all, uh, just for the... Hey, Charlie, I just got your message that you're parking. <laughs> Thank you. Let's do... You made it. You should do this, this All right. Thing. Let's all say... Uh, I don't, should we say, calm the fuck down? Hold on, i got to get in here. All right, here we go. Let's all say, calm the fuck down. One, two, three. Calm the fuck down. All right, that'll, that's a keeper. That's going on Instagram later. Thank you, people. All right. This one is called, My Toddler Bites Other Kids. Anyone got some biters? Yeah, yeah, all right. I'd just like to point out my wife raised her hand. (laughs) Your wonderful little girl has started biting. More than that, you actually caught her leaning in, mouth agape, trying to get her friend's hand in her mouth to take a bite. She's like a wee little zombie. Every parent of toddlers you've met talks about fights at playdates or at daycare that make WWE Raw look like a sorority house pillow fight. And you're okay with that, but you want her to fight clean. For you, biting during a fight is cheating, unless you're losing. Then all bets are off and she should bite wherever and whomever she can. All right, so your daughter might not have the timing and grace of Muhammad Ali. At this age, she barely has the timing and grace of a 1985 Yugo. But you can't teach her to fight fair because then it will seem to her that you're simply encouraging her to fight. Plus, you can't ground a 20-month-old. If you tried, she'd probably just bite you. (laughs) As you let your mind wander, musing about how to handle her cannibalistic tendency, she takes the opportunity to sink her teeth into her friend's arm. Panic explodes in the playroom. Children and parents scatter. On the way home, you swing by the pet store to see if there's a muzzle that might fit her or a chew toy shaped like her friend. CTFD. When your toddler bites, you should tell her what she did wrong and why. But don't make too big a show of it because if she associates it with attention, whether negative or positive, she may do it again. Much the same way, I repeatedly tell people how I once got my mom's car up on two wheels just because two of my high school friends thought it was a cool story. Josh has heard me tell that story. Yeah. 
show how her actions made the other child feel, ask her if she'd like that to happen to her, and how she can make other kids feel be- the other kid feel better. This helps build empathy. If these tactics don't work, you're supposed to remove the child from the situation and then do the stern talking thing. If you have to, leave the play date or the park or wherever you are. It may be embarrassing for you, but it'll show your child the gravitas of the situation. Actually biting your child in retaliation is, of course, off limits, despite the fact that she probably tastes great. (laughs) All right. How are we doing on time? That's what David Letterman says. How are we doing on time? I'm going to assume we're doing okay. No answer means we're doing all right. Yeah, no one's watching the clock. All right. My boy likes girl toys. Your son got a bat cave playset from the grandparents for his birthday. It has an elevator, a bat computer, and a little holding cell to keep Gotham's worst villains off the street. It lacks a Batman, however, because your son feels like Tinkerbell is the hero Gotham deserves. Yes, Peter Pan's minuscule sidekick flies in and out of the hideout, spreading pixie dust and fighting crime. If that's where your son's obsession with the, with the wee fairy ended, you'd probably stop worrying. But he also wants to dress as Tinkerbell for his preschool dress-up day and wear the outfit to the family dinner next weekend. You run through all the possible insults his classmates could throw at him, and you try to land on the perfect way to tell your father that his grandson desperately wants to wear a green tube dress and sparkly wings. <laughs> and forget the potentially awkward conversation held while chewing on grilled chicken at your parents' house, uh, at your parents' dining room table. Here's a larger issue. Does your son's obsession with Tinkerbell mean he's gay? If so, how should, you, how should that affect your parenting? Should you familiarize yourself with the Barbara Streisand catalog? <laughs> you stare at your son as he makes Tinkerbell clobber the Joker and wonder if he'll ever be happy with a, ha- a happy adult with a fairy as a hero. CTFD. To your son, Tinkerbell is neither a girl's character nor a boy's character. She's just a character and a cool one at that. She can fly, she fights for what she wants, and she helped Peter Pan best Captain Hook. She's as much a hero as Batman, and she doesn't need a mask and a belt full of gadgets to win the day. <laughs> Feel free to applaud for that one. Someone started applauding. Yeah. I also just got the finger from that guy in the back of the room, too. Kids don't know anything of gender. They just enjoy dressing up. Commercials, magazines, movies, all those things will ram typical gender roles into their heads soon enough. Let them enjoy playing without that barrier when they can. Tell that to your dad. Oh, and you don't parent a gay child any different than any other child. So if you're truly concerned your son might be gay, one, get over it. And two, Tinkerbell won't make him any more or less gay than he already is. (laughs) All right. All right. Doing good. I'm assuming we're doing good on time. No one, I don't have the big like hook coming from. All right. Oh, hey, cool. Oh, hey, there you are. One more? All right. Well, let me see. I'll give you guys, you guys get to pick. I've got, I can't trust a babysitter. My child doesn't know the alphabet. And I don't always like my child. Oh, that, that last one? Last one? C. All right. Wow. Oh, my God. Are you guys okay? All right. I mentioned there's a therapist here, right? Okay. All right. I don't always like my child. The word love doesn't accurately capture the feeling you have for your son. You want the word to shine brilliantly, tower greatly, sing angelically, and inspire powerfully. Your love for your child makes other loves feel shame for not loving so monumentally. And yet, sometimes you don't like your kid. 
When he refuses to wash his hands after going to the bathroom, then lies to you about doing it, it's bad enough. But then things really get bad when he does this and then insists on sharing your sandwich. And you only find out about it, about the failure to cleanse afterward. The ensuing discussion becomes a shouting match, and at some point you realize, if this were a roommate in college, you'd have booted him out by now, or at least put his hand in a bowl of warm water while he was sleeping. (laughs) This emotional dichotomy confuses you. Even for a fleeting moment, disliking your own child highlights a deficiency and a pettiness in you. Maybe you were never meant to be a parent. Maybe you should have stuck with cats. You like cats. And cats never get their poopy hands all over your turkey club. CTFD. Just as with your best friend and even your cat, you may have disagreements with your child that make you want to walk away for a while. Do exactly that. It doesn't make you a bad parent. In fact, it makes you a smart one. However you blow off steam, yoga, a jog, reading, painting, welding, clog dancing, macaroni art, take some time to chill out especially so you refrain from saying or doing something hurtful. And remember that your son is still figuring things out and needs your help to do that. So don't hold anything against him for too long. Upon your return, explain to him why you were upset and discuss ways to deal with it should it come up again. And for the record, cats never wash their hands. So think about that, Judgy McJudgerton. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do we have questions for Mr. Vienna? Oh. <laughs> have you ever killed a man? <laughs> My lawyer said to say no. <laughs> Doesn't have to be about parenting. Yeah? What's your stance on people without children disciplining your if uh, if my son's being a dick and someone else calmly tells them they're being a dick I'm okay with that like if they calmly like I don't want it to be like the slap NBC anyone from NBC here no uh, I don't want it to be like that situation I just certainly don't want that but but I'm I've I've gone to other kids on the playground that weren't mine and told them to calm the fuck down. I mean, I basically told them, like, listen, you better slow your roll, sister, or things are going to get really rocky in here. So, so yeah, I don't mind as long as it's done from a place of, uh, like, an even place. Should I have kids? <laughs> you can have one of mine. <laughs> uh, I, it depends. How's that for an answer? Depends. What do you, if you want to, then yes. If you don't, then don't. That's the, that's the easy answer. <laughs> yes? Yeah, Mr. Viana. <laughs> What's the difference between calm the fuck down parenting and wake the fuck up parenting? Uh, one of them allows you to get a little more sleep. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So if, you're, if your father were to have written a parenting technique book when he was a parent of you, what do you think the title would be and give us some like, content you think he would have? <laughs> his his parenting book book would have been called Everyone's an Asshole, <laughs> and they would have had sections like uh, throw the first punch, <laughs> um, fight dirty. I actually referenced it in here, like the fight dirty. Like if I uh, think in the biting section, I was like, unless you're losing, that was a nod to my dad. He was always like, if you're losing, just fight dirty. I was like, okay, Dad, I'm sure that's really honorable, but thank you. Uh, so that's a sample section. Yeah, fight dirty, fight dirty, and win. 
and run away. <laughs> I think. Besides all of it, what was the hardest thing about writing the book? The deadline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to cover that I, I, I'm like, I think this is the right answer, but I know, and that's why uh, Cindy and, and Heather Harrison, were, it was great to have them kind of, I'm, I, when I said, this is how I think the common sense version is to handle this, am I right? And, uh, and um, you know, thankfully, most of the time I was. And there was one topic in the book where they disagreed. Two different experts disagreed, so. And I mentioned it in the book. You'll have to buy it to find out which section that is. But, yeah. Cliffing. Yes. I, I'm working on a novel right now, actually. Uh, it is not about parenting at all, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. I was, I, I've been actually working on it for a long time, because I've uh, been told your first novel is supposed to take like 10 to 20 years, so I'm uh, like halfway into that now. <laughs> so that's, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes, oh, yes. Is there a particular story or event uh, when you sort of, that light came on that this book needs to be written? When the post went viral? Yeah, no. Um, uh, what about the post? Same question, but was there something that spurred you writing DFD? Actually, yeah. When the post was going, I'll answer his first because it's easier, and then I'll get to yours. When the, when the post went viral, uh, I have a friend, Melissa, uh, who does a blog called Mama Lingo, which is hysterical, by the way. And she said to me, You should do something about this because it's going crazy. And so I, I, uh, that's, that's what. It was. I, I would have just sat and watched it go crazy and be like, "Oh, that's really great," and then like gone back to work. But like, uh, she she was the one who told me I should I should try and jump on it and, and do something. And and I love the fact that that the transition from the post to the book was was really seamless. I mean, it really was just expanding the post into, you know, because the post the original post had a handful of scenarios and why you know like what, what things that parents freak out about. So it was it was kind of a a fun transition. Uh, and what was the question? It was. No, you know, the event, the, the thing that's, that spawned the post was that, like, a rea- it, there, was a, there was a story I heard on NPR about minimalist parenting a few months before, and I just, it drove me absolutely crazy, because, I, and I've said this before, uh, my mom raised me as a minimalist parent, but we just called it parenting. You know, like, so, I, and, and I, and mind you, I like, actually like minimalist parenting, I think it's great, but I heard that story and thought, you know, after Tiger Mother and like Minimalist and Helicopter and all these different parenting methods and everybody's telling you how to parent, like this book is really just like, don't worry about that. You, you've got this. This is all common sense, you know. And, and so I stewed on the Minimalist parenting story for a few months and then wrote the post. So that's what it was. It was anger. Anger and hatred and rage. Yeah. yeah. When, when will the uh, TV series premiere? <laughs> I asked if there was anybody from NBC here and no one showed up, so... Yes. As registered nurse from the county pediatric department in Chicago, I would really bless you for the book. I would out, particularly in the big cities, to emergency rooms, which I was. Well, thank, thank you. Child 
and does not know what to do because there's no father there. Mm -hmm. What would you do, sir? My dear one, <laughs> what would you do if your child did something and you were trying to be a good mother uh, with no father? Mm -hmm. What would you do if that child did something and you were so exhausted, <laughs> no sleep, right. and no food? What would you do to that child? How would you handle your desire to absolutely slap that child right. <laughs> <laughs> to pieces? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 what I would say is, and what I try to say on my side all the time is, look, you know, you feel like you're screwing up, but you're not. And everybody has moments where they, listen, let me tell you a story. There's a, there's a, our, our, my old landlady, our old landlady, is this very nice, uh, sweet old woman. And we were sitting out, she, she was showing another apartment in the building. And I was out there on the stoop talking with her. And we we had just had our boys and I was a work at home dad and I was going crazy. And she said, she's sitting on this chair and she's, she's, you know, we're having this nice conversation. And she says, yeah, kids are great, but sometimes you want to grab them by the ankles and swing them into the wall. And I went, oh my God, this, this sweet woman just said, this to me so so uh the fact that she said that made me realize everybody has moments where they want to just fly off the handle and some people maybe they do fly off the handle yeah it's very natural to have those thoughts and those feelings and you know and, and but so having those feelings is not bad it doesn't make you a bad parent you know just acknowledge them uh try try and uh, i hope uh, at some point people are able to work into their lives a routine to um you know because because everybody knows their own triggers. So if you have, if your kid's hitting your triggers, hopefully you've dealt with it in one way or another before. If not, find a way to just reset, walk away, you know, do that. But the biggest thing is forgive yourself because, you know, the, the pressure to be the perfect parent is so great. Nobody can live up to that. So just, you know, like, go with your instincts. You're okay. As long as your instincts aren't slap the kid every time, you know, then, then, then you're okay. You know, just just let them know they're doing okay. That's what, what I'd say. What would you do if there's no one there? <laughs> the, the find somebody. I would tell them to find somebody. I've I've said on my site before. If you're a single parent or if you don't have a support group, find a support group. Go to your local hospital, or your local community center. Like find a support group because they exist and they do a lot of good. And uh, I'm not a joiner, but I I have joined groups since I had my kids, like to to find support and and uh, and even before I had kids, I joined I joined a group to like make sure that. Uh, that I wasn't crazy, you know. So, so yeah. Find if you don't have help, find it because it's out there. At least get on the phone with a yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's support out there. Go yes. Here. Other than bourbon, which I understand is a specialty. You said bourbon, yes. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your individual writing process, particularly with two kids in the house, and obviously your wonderful wife. Yes. Who's, that. And can you talk a little bit about how you get this done? I will. First of all, a round of applause for my wife in the back of the room. There, please. This would not have happened, literally would not have happened without her. So, um, excuse me, bourbon. <laughs> um, writing while you have kids is a near impossible. So uh, it really was, she was a huge part of this where... Um, Right, even writing the site. Sometimes I'm like, "Honey, I I want to do this post. Can, you know, I'm sorry, I gotta, I, you gotta handle the boys on your own. I, I know it's the weekend and we're all here, but I'm gonna lock myself in the room for a little bit and write. But when it, when the book was um, when I was writing the book, it it really was me on Monday saying, "Okay, this week I need to do this, and this weekend I need to separate myself for this amount of time." And um, I had the <laughs> 
well, I like to say the intelligence to do that ahead of time, uh, because if you throw it at your spouse or your partner or whoever your support person is, you know, it's ne- it never plays out well. But I, but we talked a lot about it, and she knew how important it was for me to do, and she she knows writing's important to me, so she's very supportive. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's all about planning and bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did. I, 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 the best things I write are written to me. And there are posts I've had on the site that did really well. And there's, there are posts I wrote as if I'm talking to somebody else, but I'm actually talking to myself. And this whole book, I was doing that. And I, I'll admit, I fly off the handle, you know, and uh, with my kids. I'm, I'm trying to learn the CTFD method. I'm trying to learn it. And, and um, you know, knowing what's important to get upset about and, and all those things, that, that the, whole, the whole process of writing this book was a learning experience for me, you know. And a lot of the scenarios in the book are things that I flipped out about at one point or another. Yes. So what's the plan when your two lovely boys become rock stars? I've already got it down. <laughs> they become rock stars yeah. in their early teens and, and every time you raise your voice they will say you because they will have read your book. As long as they use the word fuck appropriately, I'm okay with it. (laughs) I'm I'm actually planning on that. It's going to be a terrible day for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's also going to be the opening chapter in their tell-all memoir about me, I'm sure. Yes, Jay. Well, obviously you have twins, so it's a unique dynamic, but... You know, my two boys are three years apart, but it's always, you know, one does something differently. It's like, oh, why don't you do this like this, you know, like your brother? How do you, because obviously comparing them to each other is kind of risky. So how do you avoid that? You still want them to learn the lesson. Why don't you eat this like your brother is? Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, my wife and I both sometimes slip up and be like, look, he's doing it. Why aren't you doing it? You know, but, but we, we usually, what we try to do is talk about being supportive. So with, um, with our kids, if one of them's doing something really well and the other one isn't, we go to the kid who's doing it well and say, hey, can you help him like, see what he's supposed to do? And then it's, uh, it, it gets him involved, the kid who's doing it well or whatever. Um, but then it also furthers their bond. And, you know, it, it's a much more positive approach. Um, that is after I've blown my stack and shouted at him, you know, all this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, we try to, we try to get the, the kid, uh, one of the boys or both of the boys or whatever, involved in the, in the process. Is that it? One more question. Maybe? One more. Oh, oh yeah. I just, I just yes, dear. David has experienced the poo fountain more than once. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. I also, I'm going to trademark the, the term poo fountain, so if anyone's thinking about using it, I'm going to, that'll be the next book, The Poo Fountain. All right, yeah. on that note, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.